What's up, guys, and welcome back to the show. CoinKite and River are the two awesome Bitcoin companies which I'm grateful to have supporting this podcast. If you know all about them already, skip ahead 60 seconds. If not, keep listening. CoinKite is the maker of what many Bitcoiners believe to be the gold standard Bitcoin hardware wallet, the cold card. If you've been delaying on setting up your self-custody solution, I strongly advise that you take action, as 2022 was once again littered with examples which prove the adage, not your keys, not your coins. The cold card is also compatible with several of the most popular multi-sig solutions if you're interested in exploring that approach to custodying your Bitcoin. If gifting physical Bitcoin in the upcoming year is what you're after, the SATS card is a great way to do so. It's like an open dime, but you can load and sweep it 10 times with just a mobile phone, and it comes in a handy and familiar credit card form factor. Finally, the BlockLock Micro has recently hit the market for those of us that get a potentially strange, but absolutely understandable, satisfaction at keeping an eye on the current block height, sats per USD exchange rate, and much else. To check it all out, visit CoinKite.com. River allows you to securely buy Bitcoin, zero fee dollar cost average, and purchase hosted mining rigs. Also, their Lightning services enables developers and companies to integrate Lightning payments into their applications without having to run any Lightning infrastructure themselves. I recommend River because of their dedication to service, stellar team, and in-house approach to building a next-generation financial services business on Bitcoin. To get started, visit river.com today. Let's do it. Well, Richard, how's it going, man? I'm, uh, I'm, uh, thank you for doing this. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you, John, and I appreciate you and your pod. Um, so, I mean, well, I appreciate a lot of your work. I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of everyone, really, who is inspired to create in this space. Um, it's just amazing how inspiring this thing is, and then to see everyone kind of translating it in their own way, you know, with their own swagger and stuff like that. Like, I just love it, and your stuff has been incredible i always love to see new drops and so i just wanted to get together for a chat and kind of hear a bit of your story your inspiration your process and whatever else you want to talk about mm -hmm. and bitcoin it definitely just brings out uh like you said it's just so inspiring and bitcoin itself is rather technical but one thing is like you know as i learned these technical aspects of bitcoin it really like i know it's not a person or it's an organism as some people would say but like these technical aspects of late, I've been utilizing that and trying to personify parts of Bitcoin. And that's one of the things I've been doing lately in, in regards to the music and just trying to give uh, this non-person thing, human-like qualities. <laughs> yeah, I like it. And and I agree, you know, for a lot of people, this thing is probably fairly foreign, you know, because a lot of people aren't interested in economics or monetary history or technology or any of that kind of stuff. And I feel like you know, a lot of the art that gets produced in the space and yours in particular, like it gives it that personal slash emotional slash aspirational dimension. And that is obviously far more appealing to people because everyone can relate to, I mean, that's kind of what art is, right? It relates to the emotional part or the inspirational part of someone rather than, you know, hardcore technical understandings of things. And I think that just makes it far more relatable. So when someone sees like, your video, I think a recent one was Bitcoin is Hope, right? Where uh, mm -hmm. I think myself and Sailor had a little excerpt in it. And that's, you know, that's an appealing message that everyone can understand. Everyone understands the the function or the feeling of hope. They might not immediately understand how Bitcoin fits into that picture, but giving them like a taste of like, you know, opening a window, I guess, to 
that element of this phenomenon that maybe piques their interest and cause them to go further and learn more. I mean, I think that's the role of art generally. And I just love that, you know, you can, you can call it propaganda in a way, you know, because all this stuff is kind it of is propaganda <laughs> promoting Bitcoin. But like, I was thinking before we came on, like, what's the differentiating factor between like state propaganda and this. And I would say that like, this is naturally inspired propaganda, right? It's like, you, it's not being imposed on anyone. It's not for any particular end. It's just kind of, it's the result of inspiration and it may serve the function of propaganda. It may serve the function of bringing people in and, and, uh, and trying to get them to think about it in a certain way, I guess, but it's very different from like a state centralized, narrow sort of propaganda, I would mm. say. It's bottom up too. like the reason why I started doing this whole Bitcoin thing is this, I was just so inspired by it. It just consumed me all the time. And this is just out of my self-interest. And I make music and I do things like that. And I just want to spread the Bitcoin message. Some people do the same thing, with whether it be Christianity, Buddhism, whatever religion they're into or whatever. Uh, it could be a sport. It could be basketball. So some people right. push it, you know, and from the state, when you talk about the state type propaganda, that's top down where like there's some form of coercion or, or some form of uh, force involved there. And so like when I think about this uh, Bitcoin just inspiring us to like push its own message, it's it's all driven by like uh, bottom up uh, incentives rather than uh, some centralized entity. Totally. And I, I want to get into kind of the, the basis of your, you know, your background and, and coming into this. But what, what do you think it is or maybe even just for yourself, like what has it been? that's been so inspiring about Bitcoin? Like, what, what do you think it is about Bitcoin that inspires you to take the time and the attention and everything that's required to actually produce this type of content, to do this type of work? You know, I, for me personally, I was like, a, like, you know, the Bitcoin ethos, low time preference, all that stuff. I was always already doing that prior to Bitcoin, but Bitcoin gave that like avenue uh, a, a viable option. You know, it made it like uh, it optimized that option for people who do choose to take that path towards like, you know, um, produce more than you consume type of lifestyle where you, you, you can you, you're uh, savers. It, it essentially uh, incentivizes and assists savers. And um, that question you asked about wh why do I think it's so inspiring? Was that the original part of the question? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I. So I think, I don't know what it is exactly, but there's a lot of aspects that Bitcoin touches. And one thing that always comes back to me is this concept of, uh, of time. And like uh, this concept of time is like, um, it, in a sense, it almost gives uh, this, uh, how do I say this, this Bitcoin network, like with time, like our time is so limited on life and it's, it's absolutely scarce. And Bitcoin is the only thing that matches that scarcity of our, our time and here, uh, our time here on this planet. Right. And that yeah. attribute of it and the effect, like the, the consequence of having that attribute seems to be that it, in a weird way, allows you to most properly optimize your time as a result of having that quality and as a result of being able to effectively trade time, you know, with the, the highest fidelity ever, perhaps with other people. And in that trade, in those exchanges, doing what exchange and trade always does, which is create more value or, or create more time, or at least, yeah, allow you to optimize your time, put more meaning into the amount of time you have or something like that, you know? And yeah. I think, I think that's probably, yeah, I think that's an element of the inspiration that a lot of people draw from it. It certainly changes people's 
influences people's perception of time, you know, in, in a number of different ways, you know, both like in the sense of your own future, like, and, and perhaps in the possibilities or the security or the optionality that you have around your own future, because you have this tool, like the future becomes a lot less anxiety inducing and you have a, mm -hmm. like a, a greater comfort with the future, but also in that kind of value judgment in, in terms of what should I do with my time? And I think it influences that thinking in a lot of people too, you know, in, in for probably for multiple reasons and in multiple ways, but just to say that, I guess we're always confronted with that question every second of every day. It's like, what am I going to do with this time? And nestled within that is, well, whatever the answer to that question is, it's because I value that thing more than all other options available to me, let's say in that given scenario or circumstance. And I think um, part of Bitcoin's capacity to inspire people is that it gives them more clarity on value itself and therefore what to do with their time and therefore who and who and what they want to become. And, you know, this is a, it's obviously a process. And what I find so interesting in observing all this is just seeing all the Bitcoiners out there beginning to grapple with this and then, you know, seeing the manifestations of that process too. So in your case, like the art that you make public and, you know, in other people's cases, writing or businesses or, or whatever, like we're, uh, these are all kind of manifestations of people establishing a new relationship with time, their future and their, and what they value and how those things are being influenced by this tool in Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, that's a lot to dig into. I don't know where, <laughs> where to take that part, but uh, I agree with pretty much all of that. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, why don't we start with, because I, I I know you've been making music and, and stuff like that for ages. I mean, I looked at your YouTube page and you got stuff there like a decade ago, pre-Bitcoin, yeah. I presume. Um, so what was the, you know, what was the rabbit hole story for you? How did you for, like first come to come into this and then I guess realize, well, continue on down the rabbit hole as you realize more and more what this thing represents. So originally I, I, I made a, I made rap music and like uh, made rap beats back when I was like 13, 14. This is a long time ago. And then I just, uh, I've, I learned via the internet, you know, like on forums back when I was 13, 14 years old. And then uh, I just kept doing it, kept doing it. And then over time period, I got kind of, I lost interest, not lost interest because I still made music, but I just stopped posting. I stopped sharing. I just made music just for myself. And then over a long period of time, and uh, I got into Bitcoin, I think 2017 or so. After uh, just not making, not being as active on music, I, I got into Bitcoin and uh, Bitcoin just re-sparked re that, uh, that uh, desire to start retelling uh, new stories because I, I was tired of uh, doing the whole YouTube grind from 2010 to 2012. Like I was pretty like making a lot of weekly videos, trying to get the views, chasing the ad money. And it wasn't that much money either. And um, I got tired of it and I, I stopped. Bitcoin re-inspired me to tell new stories from, uh, I guess, the orange lens, you would say. Mm. And uh, I, I just kept putting out the Bitcoin content since. And it's been like my muse to write melodies, uh, sound design, all kinds of things. And, and but... And so what year did you say the Bitcoin, you, you kind of got the Bitcoin thesis? 
say 2017? Oh, the, I mean, no, 2017, I started investing into it. I didn't get the Bitcoin thesis until like 2018, late 2018 or early 2019 right. after a series of Andreas videos. And then I think it culminated with the Bitcoin Center in 2019. Right. And then, uh, and then I just kept consuming content since. You know, I was thinking um, as I was watching a bunch of your videos in preparation for this, and I'd seen most of the Bitcoin related ones, you know, intermittently as you publish them, publish them on Twitter. But I, like I just, my own consumption obviously has been oriented towards like Bitcoin related consumption for a while now, but I, it, in a Bitcoin denominated world, in a, in a Bitcoin infused culture, let's say, I just feel like, a, I think a lot of the music is maybe going to become oriented toward either like investigating, exploring, elevating, amplifying, uh, celebrating these themes that you might that we often discuss in Bitcoin, whether they be hope or independence or freedom or truth, like because it, it just these are such meaningful topics, and this is such they're they're so abundantly and obviously imbued in Bitcoin, and they seem to be propagating in us as a result of our engagement with Bitcoin, like I, and to give it a little more context, like I think about a lot of the fiat music that we hear today, yeah. whether it's rap or pop or whatever, but it's all so superficial, right? So superficial, just garbage. Basically it's just filled with fiat garbage. Even if the tunes like oftentimes, like I can get down with, right? Like I almost hate it sometimes. Cause I'll hear like some uber fiat artist and their super fiat lyrics but like it's designed to get you to bob your head and move along with it right so yeah. i'm not saying that i don't enjoy any other music than bitcoin stuff but i much more i have a much like stronger response to music that still does that right still's got a, a great beat and makes you bob your head and, and tap your foot or whatever but it's infused with like lyrics and me and uh and themes that are extremely meaningful and I just like when you when you when the contrast is so evident because you put them next next to each other, it makes me excited that like I think we're going to see one far more of that music because like yourself, people a lot of a lot more people are going to be inspired to make it. And I think it's like it's actually going to be good. Right. It's not. Yeah. There's been categories of music in the past where people are trying to like, I don't know, promote their cause or, or focus in on a particular thesis, but it's kind of lame. And I just yeah. feel like, like Bitcoin. Is, it's lame yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I feel like Bitcoin inspired music is actually gonna be dope as shit. And I can't wait to, like I saw a tip actually, I think she just a couple of days ago, I think she published a playlist or a, or like a, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah. A playlist or, or a CD or something with like all of her tracks on, on one thing that you could just press play and listen to. Mm. And I like, I look forward to more of that because I think the combination of the musical talent and and the rhythm and all that kind of stuff with the dealing with this these themes that we all find so meaningful um is just going to be super appealing and so you know, you know as you're a obviously music a producer as a music producer when I do listen to like what we you would deem the fiat music I agree like a lot of it is pretty trash but one thing I do appreciate is just the engineering cuz uh, the audio engineering has just gotten sure. so much better and the sound design so that part still has me geek, but the part that makes me feel like a child or gives me that joy of a child when I make this music is when uh, I create something that I envision like a story, like whether it be whatever type of story that I want to tie to Bitcoin or even non-Bitcoin, the ones where I, I want to tell a story and I'm able to execute on that. And then I'm like, just I'm filled with this childlike joy, you know? And then when I share it with some people and then they feel that similar 
or at least the feedback, it feels like it's similar. That's when I do get the goosebumps and I feel like like the most fulfilled when making music. But like the fiat stuff, like you say, it has nice beats, nice melodies and nice rhythms. And, you know, you jam into it, right? And to me, I still enjoy that as well. Like, because uh, a lot of the people who aren't into Bitcoin still love that stuff too. So I do enjoy that just from the engineering and sound design perspective. But the one, the thing that makes me feel most like a, that, that, that childlike feeling is when I make something where I tell that story. Yeah. Yeah. And interestingly enough, I mean, again, maybe I'm, I'm going out a bit of, going a bit out on a limb here, but you could make the case that like the sound gen engineering aspect of modern music is kind of the proof of work aspect. You know, that stuff is actually, you know, yeah. it's engineering. It's, it's, it's highly involved. It's highly skilled. But when it comes to the lyrics that are riding on top of that work, they're just fiat trash, you know? Um, and may, and you know, it's maybe it's mostly the sound engineering that's doing most of the legwork there. And that's what kind of keeps people, uh, well, keep, you know, keeps people enjoying it. Um, even if the lyrics are shitty, cause like, like you I know, said, I mean, okay, I always go, but in, uh, in audio engineering, even things like, um, uh, th there's songwriting, not in terms of lyrics or melodies, but even in just sound design, like, you know, cause, uh, the audio as a, as a medium is just amazing with frequencies. You can make certain parts darker or brighter, wider, further, you know, all these things you can manipulate in, in, in just in sound design and audio engineering alone, there's songwriting involved in it. It's almost like, uh, I guess you would uh, tie that in actual writing to how you punctuate or how you develop the rhythm of the sentences. But in audio engineering, you do the same, right. just playing around with the stereo field and frequencies. And to go back to what you said before, I mean, why do you think it fills you with that childlike sort of energy when you're dealing with, you know, making music around Bitcoin related themes? You know, for me, it's like, uh, so I, when I do these videos, I start with an idea. Like I usually say a line. I just say uh, like uh, when I, I just recently did a couple of weeks ago, I did this, the song Runaway where I covered Kanye's Runaway and I, I did a Bitcoin version to it i had this one line that only is just one line in the whole rap but it you start off with this line and then you 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 over time you build that that idea of this line and and the line was there's a hole in the heart where the soul should be that was the line that i i just it just stuck with me for like weeks and i couldn't write this write this rap verse but it, it started from that line hole in the heart where the soul should be and then eventually i get i build the instrumental around it build the rap around it record the song put it all, mix it, everything, do the audio engineering part. And then I, I start grabbing the video clips. I start doing the, the, the typography work. And then it all comes to like, just, it, it's almost like world building, you know? You know, software engineers, they, they create apps and programs that people could dance in or, or, or utilize and, and uh, operate in. And with songwriting and video editing, it's like, you, st you start with this, I started with this one idea and I eventually built this little mini world that is within those two and a half or two minute song, you know? And that part, like, just from like, I had this inkling of an idea and then to see it fully fleshed out, that's the part that makes me feel, uh, yeah, feel like a child. Right. Because you kind of get to, like you said, create your own little mini world slash story. I mean, as you're saying that, I, I think of the, the remnant one that you did as well. And like, you know, I guess you... Because I've noticed lately, am I right in, in saying that I think you're using some like AI imagery and stuff in some of your work? Or is I am that... using a lot of AI imagery and uh, text-to-speech generation. 
it's so like uh, a lot of the AI for tech, like, uh, yeah, so the AI imagery for sure. I don't actually create the, the AI imagery because my prompt writing, every time I do it, it's just bad. Uh, <laughs> I just download people's cool AI imagery and line it up with mine. But the, right. the text one is is eerily creepy. I've done, uh, they've modeled rappers where I've done one with Pusha T and Kendrick Lamar. And they both sound eerily good. I've yeah. done one where I had uh, just the narration where like he sounds like a cool narrator. And I'm telling like uh, this futuristic Citadel story about like 400 AB, 400 years after Bitcoin's, after Genesis block. And, and uh, it just, it's scary. <laughs> I'll say that it's scarily good. Like how good this AI stuff is. Yeah. No, so I, I didn't even realize, I mean, I kind of expected that it would exist, but I, I wasn't as familiar with the text-to-speech um, stuff. Like I'd seen the image generation and the chatbots and stuff, but not the text-to-speech. But um, your stuff and I think one that Tip just recently released had like Tupac and Jay-Z um, yeah. in it. And I was like, holy shit. I was shit. inspired like, by that, her. That good. Cause she did one a couple months back when she first did Tupac and Jay-Z. And I was like, I looked it up and then I did it. And yeah, it just sounds really, really good. And it does to make the flow and everything work. It does require a little bit of mangling and audio editing, but in general, it's pretty darn good. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, just as an aside, like what happens to how we interpret like reality, basically, but certainly what we see in the digital, you know, online and stuff when faces and voice, I'm, like, have you seen the, the face generation shit? Like, do you see that Tom Cruise one where some guy like, yeah, the deep was, fakes. Yeah. The deep fakes. So when you can do that yeah. with the image and then also with the voice, you know, like we're in such spooky territory where you have no idea if something's real or not, you know, to me, it's a double-edged sword because like, I obviously like, I'm not going to pay a bunch of these rappers, you know, to make songs with me, or I'm not going to like hire like these uh, voice actors to make like just a quick Twitter video. So it gives a lot of people access to be creative on the flip side. Like you, we were just talking about, we started off with propaganda <laughs> and things <laughs> of that nature. Like this could be mass produced and like people wouldn't be able to discern the difference between reality and fake. And so yeah, double-edged sword for sure. Yeah. Well, that certainly seems to be where we're going. Um, do you see yourself as like someone who's trying to promote Bitcoin? Like, are you trying to propagandize or is this just like you can't help but do it? I do feel like um, I I would say on the edge. I would say, yeah, I would say I'm propagandizing. Yeah. I, I truly think this is like uh, like just paradigm shifting, um, just technology. And like it's it's changing the way I view the world and it's redefining words for me. So, yeah. I hope to, because I, I find tremendous value interacting with Bitcoin. So when I make these songs and, and messages, I hope people can, uh, the people who are already into Bitcoin, because I think my stuff is not for like new new people into Bitcoin, but, but it's to like make uh, hodlers even more convicted, or, I guess. So mm -hmm. yeah, I would say uh, to embolden the hodlers and just, just double down on your conviction. Yeah, well, I, I certainly think it has that effect because... I know a lot of people love it. Um, how has Bitcoin changed how you see the world or influenced your perspective? You know, the for me, it's the um, the Austrian perspective. Like when I first got into Bitcoin, like Andreas really taught me why this is important. Then after diving down to Safety's work, and then I just dove down like the Austrian rabbit hole. I just read a lot of work from there. It just really helped me um, 
I guess they call it praxeology, but uh, it helped me just deduct and, and observe all kinds of uh, things in life outside of Bitcoin, whether it be uh, nutrition or whether it be uh, anything. I, I can, uh, it helps me more clearly see the world and better explain and articulate my, my thoughts and ideas. Isn't that a trip? <laughs> Something it, can it have is. that effect. Yeah, it, and just from like, uh, just because just I put a little bit of money into it in 2017, because I was, you know, I, I want to make some money, but, and then, you know, come for the money, stay for the money, and then right. <laughs> change your worldview. It's like, yeah, it's pretty nuts. It's totally nuts. Do you have like friends, peers, family that either see your work or have noticed, you know, that shift? and have questions about it or have you orange pilled everyone in your life or well my brothers are both pretty orange pilled now uh they're pretty they're not on, on bitcoin twitter like that i and i guess majority bitcoiners aren't on bitcoin twitter but like yeah probably my brothers they're, they're pretty orange pilled um i do remember though back in 2019 uh it is a short little so i remember reading i think it was like the forced part in brandon quinton's mycelium essay series or something and i just called my big brother and i was just telling him like Oh, we gotta like be symbiosis with Bitcoin, or and I was just talking, it's gonna change human evolution, <laughs> blah blah blah. And he's like, bro, he thought I was crazy. Bro, settle <laughs> but down. After twenty, <laughs> Take it yeah, easy. after twenty twenty, after twenty twenty, pretty much everybody, uh, like at least in my close circles, like understood the thesis and just humbly stacked after twenty twenty. Really, and the response to it all, yeah. Wow, that's impressive. I, I got people in my life that get the thesis but not totally like i think they're kind of hedging you know they're like oh mm. like this seems to be something new and seems to be not going away and john's not completely insane so like there's <laughs> maybe we should listen to him a tiny bit but uh, but definitely not like seeing the orange light sort of orange pilled so if you've got people that are just uh, on the humble stack and you know on the grind that way that's there are several people in your life that are doing that that's pretty impressive um what do you think like is this is making music your career or do you want it to be or you know how do you see this evolving over time i don't know how yet i'm just a legit pleb i used to be former military now i just uh i work a blue collar job i solder i, I manage properties I, I work you know and uh making music i look at it as like i love the gym i love basketball I love music. Those are certain things I do. It's just like a part of like, you know, things that fulfill me. And so I'm going to just keep doing it. If people want, if it becomes a career, cool. If not, that's cool too. It just, I've just been doing it for a long time. Right. What's the response been like to the Bitcoin videos in particular, like on Twitter and stuff like that? I mean, I'm sure oh, it's been, I'm sure it's been pretty positive, but you know, any, any particular standouts? Over, it's been overwhelmingly positive, but uh, one thing, just for me observing my own uh, my own work, is one thing that I I find pretty rewarding is when I first started my my music production overshadowed the video production, but over time my video production is slowly catching up and just getting just almost or close to uh, my audio production and my music itself. So just personal development wise, I, I just find like I've been getting better at uh, at video production as well as just distilling these ideas because bitcoin has really grand ideas like at least the things in the world of bitcoin distilling it into a short idea into a two-minute video or, or or something along those lines has just been very good at uh just being more precise with the messaging it's been mm -hmm. making me better at it mm -hmm. nice 
Is there a particular aspect of Bitcoin that you find most fascinating? And I'll, I'll give you some context for that uh, question. Like, you know, there's many aspects of Bitcoin, of course, you know, the monetary history case, the current macroeconomic case, the Renaissance 2.0, the individual transformation and kind of shift in perspective, like we mentioned, the time preference piece, all that kind of stuff. So I, I like to, on this podcast in particular, like to delve into like how this has changed people's behavior. Uh, and, yeah. you know, what I usually say is like, if something doesn't change people's behavior, then, you know, what's its relevance really? And so the fact that this thing is changing people's perception and therefore their behavior so dramatically and so positively and so consistently, like to me, that is just the most insanely interesting phenomenon on the go. But is there an aspect that you like to focus on or that you're particularly intrigued by in Bitcoin that ends up inspiring a lot of the, your work? You know, of late, I've been trying to, I've been, do, I guess, looking far out into the future, like long after we're gone. So one of the, and I guess they call it being getting cosmic with Bitcoin or whatever, you know. <laughs> and one, one thing I do like is, uh, like in the uh, video where I did uh, sample you in American Hado, where, where you, you talk about uh, uh, the Where's My Mind remix, the one I remixed by the Pixie. That was awesome. You know, that one, I remember your line really like, because uh, I had this concept that was that I thought of that was similar to the line you said, where you said uh, these predicates that were human civilization were based upon. I'm assuming you meant property and, and how we defend these property rights or whatever. And then, uh, and that and you said that line where, where like, what does it mean when we're going to build a what is civilization going to look when these predicates aren't even necessary because the Bitcoin network already handles a lot of it. Mm -hmm. You know, Knut's Spahn home he says uh, knowing is owning. And then it's, it's similar to the, the, this whole concept of property. And I, I just been thinking about these words that for me, the future of the, I think about this futuristic Bitcoin world where um, the, just these certain words are just like flipped on its head and the things we, 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 we think of as property today or whatever it is today, isn't the same in, in the Bitcoin world. And, and for me, it's just redefining words such as um, of recent times, you've seen the, the concept of yield. You know, things blowing up. We're trying to attach BI games to the Bitcoin world. But after seeing all this recently and, and, and just redefining, trying to redefine words to me, the concept of yield has changed or, or the concept of ownership. Because to me, yield, like when we talk about yield in the fiat sense, you're talking about percentages. You're talking about these numbers that are getting these nominal gains on, on whatever it is. But after seeing these last couple of months, I've, I've been really like trying to refocus on this word. I don't know why, but yield to me in a bitcoin standard yielding might be like uh the the sistine chapel or, or a very beautiful painting to me a lot of these old old works are still yielding returns today or like a, a beautiful building is still yielding returns it could re yield returns a thousand years into the future a hundred years into the future mm. and so like bitcoin's redefining like re, re reshaping how i view certain things and i wonder how that that, that looks like after many many iterations into the future uh, that's interesting. So you mean that yield taking on a non-financial definition? Exactly. Because I remember last summer I was helping my uncle. He, we were building, he was building a temple in Southern California. I was helping him. So I, I, me and a couple of cousins, we were helping him. And uh, he doesn't, uh, he, he, there is an investment of his time and energy, but there is no, not, there is no yield in terms of, uh, of whether it be fiat dollars or so there's nothing coming back other than mm. they're getting a place of worship, you know, a place to get congregate and, and worship and come together for his mm. community. And uh, to me, so like, 
things like that, like yield. Or in your video, the video where I sampled you, you're talking about property. The concept of property is going to change. It's almost like a private key. Like our current viewership of of property, it doesn't really apply to Bitcoin, you know, because because me and you could know the same private key, and in that case, who owns the Bitcoin? Mm. You know, so so for me, it's just all these redefining. Uh, yeah, just redefining your perspective and how you view certain things. Yeah, well, I guess that's always the hallmark of a paradigm shift. And if we're making the case that Bitcoin is the biggest paradigm shift, then perhaps that's to be expected. But, you know, to go back to the yield thing, I'm sure you've heard the joke. Um, I think Alan Farrington, I don't know if he made it up, yeah. but I've seen, him, I've seen him wear the T-shirt. Yield is the friends we, we made along the way, which is kind of like tongue-in-cheek uh, critique of of you know, the yield farming and all that kind of shit that's happened in the space. So you don't have your, you don't have, you lost all your money, but uh, you still have some friends perhaps, <laughs> but you know, it, it is an interesting point that uh, perhaps we will be more place, more focus or emphasis, or at least be more aware on what we get from our investment, from our work that perpetuates even beyond our own experience, perhaps like the non-financial returns of doing anything really. And I think that, you know, your example of the church is a good one or a place of worship or like, just like that, that or something yield. beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Or some exactly. Or something beautiful, a piece, a piece of music or artwork or video, like yeah. the, the yield on that or the return on that just is able to perpetuate and continue for, you know, however long the, the, the piece of art or the, 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 the output of the work is able to persist. And, you know, how, how, how much, how do you put a value on how much, satisfaction inspiration joy you know all these things that people get out of those works you know and and should you or can you factor that into motivation and or planning for actually doing work for actually undertaking a project and i think you know in this in this paradigm where people have less anxiety about the future they're more financially stable they're they have more financial security. Therefore they can pursue things that are more meaningful. I think like that domain of consideration will dramatically open up to people because you, you're, you're able to slowly get off the hamster wheel where you're just basically trying to survive and you're trying to stave off deprivation. And when you have that more greater abundance of time, when you have that greater abundance of security, when you have that more sort of, uh, like mental clarity or, or calmness or peace, then you can focus on like, okay, what do I want to devote myself to? And what are the returns or so-called yields that I'm looking to get out of it? And maybe it's, it has nothing to do with a financial return. Maybe you're like, I'm yeah. going to devote myself to like a year of working and what I hope to produce at the end of it. I hope that the benefit of that is people being, a, a, you know, a million people being inspired or people being able to be inspired for even after I'm gone or or just pure enjoyment that people are able to access in some way. Like, I think the luxury of being able to consider our work in that way is one of the benefits that Bitcoin is delivering. And I think it's going to be beautiful when more and more people are put in a position where they can look at things in that way, where it's not always about reducing your relative scarcity, let's say, but when you're actually considering how to deploy your limited resources in ways that will return the intangibles like joy mm -hmm. and like, like uh, happiness and, and that kind of stuff. And not just, you know, how much 
you know, what, what's my financial gain from, from undertaking this activity? Yeah, it's like, uh, you know how I started, I tell you, I get this childlike joy when I make some of these songs and tell these stories and see it come to fruition. Now that, now that I thought about it, like, that is the yield, you know? Yeah. Like, it's yeah. this feeling that, like, because, you know, some people, like, they get to old age and, and they just become bitter. Mm. And they, that could be because that's how they are, or it could be the, the system just working against them, you know? Where, like, all their actions just seem to never amount to, like, to a hopeful future or whatever it is. And they just get battered down and beaten. Mm. And for me, like, yeah, because of Bitcoin, it's changed the trajectory of what the way I was moving forward. And uh, it, it like this, even just things like just making a song, like that's just a in the grand scheme of things, it's just very trivial. It's just something I do in my free time. It just provided me this joy that just keeps me rejuvenated and, and positive and feeling grateful too. You know? Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think it was in one of your recent videos that. Uh, sailor alluded to that as well or or, or basically reflected yeah, the on big that saying, hope. well yeah, yeah and because you know i asked i guess i asked him why and he, he said something to the effect that like you know the current system grinds people down you know it, it doesn't deliver to them what they need you know to be lifted up and to be ambitious and to be hopeful and it and as you say that can result in that person that you just alluded to that might be bitter at the end of their career because they've just been staving off deprivation their whole life and not engaging in the things that actually bring meaning and joy and value into their life. And Bitcoin is hope because it's a mechanism that actually allows that to be reversed, actually allows people to now shift the focus and bring those things more into their life and more into to abundance. Or, you know, not necessarily. I mean, they, they can still pursue material ends, but they would be far more free to determine what those are for themselves rather than, again, being subject to... Uh, you know, the deprivations or subject to relative scarcity as a result of being stolen from surreptitiously, you know, and without any means of, of stopping that. And that's certainly been, again, another observation for me. Like if I, if you look out on in, in Bitcoin land, and as you said earlier, like how much of it is represented on Twitter, probably not very much of it, but to the extent that it is, I see a lot of that sort of behavior where Bitcoiners engage in things that like are not uh, financially rewarding, let's say, you know, yeah. they do them out of pure inspiration. They, they do them out of pure contribution. They do them out of charity, like multiple mm -hmm. non-financial reward reasons. And I think, and there's, there's, there's a specific reason for many of them, let's say, or a primary reason, but I think like somewhere around there, it's like, uh, they want to access, I mean, they're clearly doing it because it's meaningful. And the meaning is not nominal, you know, not financial. And that just seems to be so common now as to be a norm. Like people are so motivated and inspired by this thing that they're willing to ostensibly sacrifice, you know, resources, like, you know, or waste resources from the conventional sense to contribute or create in this way. But what they re receive in return is definitionally more valuable than what they've given up. And therefore it's, it's obviously not a waste. And in many cases, it's tremendously um, inspiring to many people beyond themselves, you know, as is the case with your work and other, you know, creators in the space, writers in the space, all sorts of things. And so, you know, the thing I like to, or that gives me goosebumps occasionally, is like, I, I wind the clock forward five years on that because it's, mm -hmm. it's so early. And, and even a few years ago, none of, none of that was really that apparent, you know, of course, like no. 
devs were, you know, devoting their time to working on, you know, Bitcoin Core, let's say, and other stuff like that, but not on the same scale whatsoever. And three, three short years later, I mean, it's far more apparent. And so what about five years from now? You know, when presumably the value of Bitcoin is much higher, there's way more people in the space. There's way more avenues to express that those sort of sentiments. It's just, well, I can't wait, which is why I'm so grateful to be I know what you mean. in the front row seat for them. Because even like last cycle, I think 90% of the content you would see was just trading talk. It was just right. like, it was charts. It was like 90% of the space was charts outside of the technical stuff. And I think the only person that would push it to people that could understand like me was probably Andreas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's probably like, there's very few. And, uh, and you know, back to the whole uh, giving, like the more the givers in the Bitcoin space where you're talking about like these people are not doing it. A lot of it aren't, isn't for financial reward because it's just not a lot a big market for this stuff. Yeah. But I think that has to tie back to the time preference, right? The lower your time preference becomes, you're more able to give because you're more certain of the future. Mm-hmm. And so I think that has to deal, come back to the, the time preference. And maybe because big, interacting with Bitcoin uh, extends your time horizon long enough where it really does change us where we're like uh we can do rewarding things like give because giving you know one of the things i always believed in is like as much giving you you get back and so yeah i think that has probably has to link with the time preference at least yeah. when, I, when i think of it initially yeah and the same is true for that same reason for like undertaking great works like you mentioned it you know a church a few minutes ago and you think about these like insanely inspiring monuments around the world. And I know, you know, again, there's been various motivations and, you know, in some cases it was a top-down approach and, and slaves were, you know, employed to build these things, but other times it was artists and artisans who out of their own inspiration wanted to glorify an idea basically, or create a place of worship or showcase showcase something, showcase something inspiring and came together to, to make it. And the more, I think the more society is oriented towards low time preference, because perhaps the money and use and the other cultural factors that are downstream of that, uh, the more, the more of that you get, but also the more, I think like the greater, the more amazing it is, or the greater quality is because all those people you know, are so capable of committing and devoting themselves to the work. And so you don't get as many cut corners. You don't, you know, you're not rushing things, all that stuff. And and so quality really gets to shine through. And the, the, the reason for undertaking that work, the inspiration and the, and the, you know, the joy and the meaning can be like really showcased. It really gets imbued in the work as a result of simply that capacity to uh well sim- simply the availability of the time to do it so the availability for all those people involved to have the time to it not be a tremendous sacrifice basically like they can they can bear it and they're mm-hmm. not going to starve and their families aren't going to star- starve and all that kind of stuff and you know we, we as cultures and societies and civilizations i mean it almost seems the case that m- you know maybe we always take two steps forward and one step back because like the the capital foundation that people have available to is uh, that have that people have to avail of, let's say, um, continues to degrade or dissolve right. over a, a few generations for a variety of reasons, confiscations, inflation, 
revolution, whatever. And just, and I don't think we'll completely, uh, Bitcoin is not going to completely resolve that because I think there'll always be a sense of, there'll all be a circularity to development. I think there'll always be the pitfalls of apathy and comfort and things like that. But it does seem to be the case that like the capital stock, the capital foundation, the the, the foundation of wealth that each individual and each family, and as a result, a society has, will be far more impervious to that kind of degradation to wherever, you know, whatever form of whatever instigates that degradation or whatever the cause of it is. And as a result, I mean, the the starting point of, of wealth in time, and therefore the, the starting point of like determining what's most valuable and meaningful and then applying your work and, and applying your trade in that direction will be so much more available to people. And that should necessitate and foster and contribute to a far more beautiful, abundant, I would say peaceful, fulfilling, meaningful culture and society. Would it not? Yeah, I agree. And because, you know, I, I, I like to... I sometimes try to catch myself too, because I think of, I think of those things a lot as well, of like what it means when we can just protect ourselves from the, like you said, the degradation of society and and individuals having a tool that can protect themselves. But I, I do like to think about Bitcoin and its incentives, you know, because sometimes when we think like that, I personally I get too utopian sometimes, <laughs> like I, I'm like you know what I mean? It's just like uh, chill out, chill out. Bitcoin is not a utopia. I always have to remind myself, like especially when I'm preaching Bitcoin, but. Uh, the incentives does, um, like you say, like um, uh, allows for like for individuals to at the least protect themselves from like uh, a society. If, if you have a, a society that's less productive or, or, or a society where these things erode and degrade, at least there is this tool to protect you. And I'd like to think of Bitcoin and I like to think of these systems and winners and losers. You know, the fiat system incentivizes i guess you would say theft or or, or that cancel uh chasing that cancel on position or mm -hmm. uh, chasing to be in a position of like the cancel on alpha i guess you would say right and, and where good term. and then in the bitcoin world where it's like the incentives is i don't like to me yes we do depend on others in, in the bitcoin world but like individually whatever you produce or whatever you and a group of other group of individuals can produce the incentives align with, with the individual more so than like um the parasite i guess or the candle on alpha i just i'm gonna start using that word now. <laughs> no that's I, I like the term and I, I i totally agree and that's why i think it's so sustainable is because exactly the, the the incentives basically align and and people are able to keep the fruits of their labor and then have the capacity to exchange them with everyone else and i i, I that's why i think it leads to more peace and more abundance mm -hmm. and and greater security. And again, I mean, of course, we all have to check ourselves. Um, I mean, we can be forgiven, right? Because this is such a radically different, this is a, such a radically new thing for us to comprehend and contend with. And we're trying to connect all the dots. And once you connect the dots, you know, remember those like children's books where you like you connect the dots and what you end up drawing like a, a, a castle or something. Hey, can you hear me, Jeff? Yep. I don't know how long it's gonna last for. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll. Uh, what happened? You the battery on your AirPods died or something? Yeah, or? my batteries and AirPods are dying. Can I, you, can I you, forgot to check it. Can you use the the mic or the speaker on your phone? Yeah, it's 
it's busted. My phone's pretty busted. Oh, okay, okay. All right. Well, we'll we'll shut it down soon. But um, on the utopia question, you know, like we're all, my point was just that we're all trying to figure out what this means, right? And yeah. as we do that, we try to be intellectually honest. We try not to, you know, delude ourselves. But it does seem like you know, if if you analyze history up to this point, you you try to analyze like what those predicates were that manifested the world we have today. And you say, okay, what happens if you switch those out? What happened if what happens if you fundamentally change the characteristics of those things? What logically would you expect to result from that? And I think, you know, many of us, you know, that's the Bitcoin Renaissance sort of vision. And it I think it's good for well, I think it's going to be really, really, really positive. But as you say, there is no utopia and there will always be problems. And if for no other reason that uh we get complacent and we get apathetic, no matter how good the structure of the system that we're embedded within is. And so, I, you know, as a side note, I think that's why kind of ritual and tradition is going to be such an important thing in a Bitcoin standard, because I think that's going to be one method, probably among many, of reminding ourselves. And let's say it's done on a family or community or so, or or you know, even a state or a larger level. But the, these these sort of rituals are going to be used or traditions to remind us of the things that are valuable that we ought not to 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 forget um, to try to avoid the pitfalls of the past, knowing that they're ultimately unavoidable, but perhaps mitigate the how destructive they might be. You know, as the cycles of history wax and wane, and we move forward. You know, I like to think of Bitcoin not needing these traditions or rituals because like if you don't like if you don't hold your keys or if you don't run your note or you rely on somebody else to do all this for you like you say like if if like my let's say five generations and your kids kids um they, they decide you know what? i don't want to take the ownership of owning my own keys you know i'm gonna give it to <laughs> this version of ftx or whatever you know so like it almost like Bitcoin, natural selection it, it's a system you just reg self-regulates itself and just weeds those people out oh oh you want to put your, your coins on mount gox or like the version of that in 50 years or in 30 years or something and yeah. so that's how i like to, uh, to look at it and so the trajectory is away from the mount goxes the way from the celsius and and uh, all, all these uh centralized institutions yeah i agree with you and, it, and i think even something like like your your key ceremony like your coming of age ceremony like that that mm. might even be a thing within families like okay son or daughter you're 13 now this is your entry into adulthood maybe there's other aspects of that in terms of knowledge and experience and taking responsibility but one of them might be like now is when you take charge or responsibility for your keys for yourself dad's not you know that mom and dad aren't doing it for you anymore and that is kind of ceremonialized because of how important it is you know um and it 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 gives them the proper context, the proper weight, the proper gravity, the proper setup. Um, but even even though I agree, like I think this this system helps to self-regulate in that way, and it, it it just punishes people who don't treat it properly. And that self-corrective mechanism will go a long way to producing what we'd probably deem positive outcomes in society. Um, I just do think, I think we will discover like all these, these themes that we've been dis discussing, like value and meaning and, and work and what to devote ourselves to when we're out of a state of deprivation, you know, and we can really, we can determine how we're going to deploy our resources um, outside of a context of necessity, let's say. 
I think those sort of things might inspire the refinement or the evolution or the reintroduction of tradition in some ways, because we'll, I feel like we'll discover meaning or things will become of sufficient value and we'll want to glorify it really and, and remember it in certain ways and in, possibly in ways that are uh, somewhat superordinate maybe to just the self-regulating mechanism of, uh, you know, of Bitcoin I do itself. agree with you. Like, like these rituals around like these very technical things, whether it's possessing your own private key, making certain transactions. I have been trying to, like I, I think I told you earlier, I've been trying to personify or, or make sim symbolize these uh, very technical aspects of Bitcoin. And maybe the, the, all, all the people who created it, whether they be pictures, art, paintings, writings, whatever, like, or music, I've been trying to symbolize these uh, very technical things into this, uh, you know, beyond just, I just did a cryptographic signature, you know, beyond that. And so right. like give it this a, a way to make it into a ritual or a ceremony, like you say. And so like mm -hmm. maybe this all this music and all this art and all this cultural things around Bitcoin is driving us towards that ritualistic and ceremonial aspects of something pretty darn technical. Yeah, I, th I think that could definitely be the case. And then, you know, another one that seems to be emerging already in the space is like people's relationship to food seems to be changing at least for some again like i'm i always generalize for me it did i, I did at first i was like man because I, I read safety and i was like are, he's crazy <laughs> you know <laughs> and then my brother sent me jordan peterson video and sean baker on rogan i watched it and then i did it for two years i went carnival for two years and i wasn't like i was like in decent shape and then i just lost a lot of even more weight i thought i, I was already in, and i just lost more weight and so yeah, it definitely, it does make you question everything, whether it be food, politics, everything. Right, right. And, but that's exactly my point. So I think that will happen for all areas. But I think one of the potential outcomes of that is like, as you, do I still got you? Yeah, you still, you still here. Okay, I lost your video, but uh, just checking you're still there. Um, I think one of the, like, for example, let's say when you have that new relationship to food, like I see it happening and I see it happening with myself, like, changing diet, wanting to have a different relationship to my food, wanting to have a direct relationship to the farmer who grows it or raises the cattle, maybe even wanting to be there in the process of harvesting that meat and ceremonializing that in some way to express my gratitude for the farmer's work, for the animal's life, for all the process that goes into it. Like I could, and all of that, just by virtue of the changing perception or meaning that I'm ascribing to my relationship to my own sustenance. And then what, you know, and of course there's a, a reciprocal sort of meaning there. It's like, well, if I'm going to accept and, 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 uh, and express my gratitude for the work and the, of the farmer and the sacrifice of the animal, let's say, how does that influence how I treat myself? Right? Like how does that influence how I determine my own action in order to, express my gratitude for that. And so all of that taken together, I, you could very easily see ritual forming around that because it's such a, such an important thing, such a meaningful thing. And so I don't know what shape that will take, but just to say, I think those are the types of things by virtue of our change perception of, and change relationship to all these different things, food and otherwise, I can see that amplified meaning coalescing into rituals and traditions that end up becoming more refined and more refined and more ingrained into our lives and our culture and, and that kind of thing. All right. Well, Richard, 
is having technical problems. So we're going to have to shut it down, but, and he won't be able to respond, but Richard, thank you for taking the time, man. I appreciate uh, your work. Can't wait to see more of it in the future. And uh, we will do this again sometime. Peace, brother. Let's go. Oh,